Hello and welcome to the Eurovision For Real podcast. This is my very first podcast. I am your host, Alicia Michelle, and I'm going to be your host, but don't worry. You're not just going to be stuck with me this time. I really, really hope that this is going to be a podcast where I can have tons of guests, talk to different people, folks in the fandom, folks from all over the world. But welcome. Thank you for giving this podcast a shot. And if you're here, it's probably because you love the Eurovision Song Contest. But it could also be because you're kind of like, maybe you saw the movie. Maybe you saw it, like, pop up, you know, on Peacock. You were searching the web. You saw, like, this thing. Oh, okay. Like, Kalush Orchestra, Ukraine, one Eurovision. What is that? And you're just looking to dive down the rabbit hole. Well, let me tell you that you are in the right place. This is going to be an amazing podcast. You're going to be on this journey with me, Alicia Michelle. Okay, I guess I have to introduce myself. I am an American Eurovision fan. And yes, there are American Eurovision fans. You might be one of them. Guess what? You're not alone, okay? And if you're not one, guess what? There are American Eurovision fans. I started my YouTube channel in 2015. And honestly, I wanted to kick off this sort of introduction podcast and basically answer the question that at this point I would say, I am so sick of answering. (laughs) I am so sick and tired of answering this question, not because I'm ungrateful, but it's like, you know, when people ask you something all like over and over and over again, and you just get to a point where it's like, I have answered this so many times. Like, I don't, I don't know if people just don't know it. And I know people are just basically curious, but the question is basically like, how did I find out about Eurovision? And I think I struggle with this question because it's not a simple answer. You know, I wish I could just say, oh yes, on my 13th birthday, I got this CD, it said Eurovision across it, and that's how I found out. But that's not exactly how it went down. And I would say there was like perfect storm sort of around me to figure out what the Eurovision Song Contest was. But let's just start off with the base rate thing. When Lordy won Eurovision 2006, that's basically when all the pieces came together for me. It was like, it was big news. I mean, you saw like on the papers, on the internet, like these monsters rocking out in the middle of Athens. And it's just sort of like, what is that? <laughs> With Maria Menounos hosting. <laughs> isn't that how she does her laugh? Isn't that, isn't that how her laugh goes? Um, but no, I, I just think it was something about Lordy winning. It was this big story. I think a lot of people, uh, I was a deep internet nerd at the point. I was deep on my space. We'll talk about that probably throughout this. But but yeah, so I, I would say that's when all the pieces sort of came together. And it was like, okay, this is Eurovision. This is this thing that I've sort of heard about before, but maybe didn't really put all the pieces together. And so after that, finding out um, about the contest, I was a musical theater kid. I love to sing. I love to dance. I love to perform. So it was sort of like, oh, duh, this is, this is obviously a thing that I'm going to be super, super duper into. So that's basically the short story. But I would say, like, growing up, I was a big ABBA fan. I loved Celine Dion. And at that point, you know, there was enough internet to be able to Google. Wikipedia was a thing, even though at the time it wasn't reliable. Kids are so lucky now that they can literally use Wikipedia as a source. 
I still had to go to libraries. <laughs> when I was doing projects, you could not go to Wikipedia. It was not an un, it was an unreliable source. But you know, nowadays people people are allowed to use it. I don't know something something happened with that. But that's sort of how I discovered Eurovision. And then I would say the next piece of that puzzle was the first time. And it's interesting because for a lot of people who are fans of Eurovision, who are not from countries that participate, there was something in the water. 2010. So many of us, that was like our first contest that we were able to watch live. Something happened. The stars aligned. The streaming options were working. And we were able to actually watch the contest. So so that was the first one that I was able like, oh, wow, I can like watch this thing live. But, you know, I, I was a fan. I was into it. And I wanted to be a part of the community. And, you know, luckily we had Twitter and everything, but I, I just didn't feel like I was getting those conversations. I feel like I'd tweet out into the abyss and no one was really responding. You know, and at that time, I was deep in Housewives. Well, I, I say that at the time. I'm still deep in, in the real Housewives sort of thing um, and fandom and all of that goodness. So, yeah, like Housewives still a big deal in my life but yeah when I would tweet about the housewives like people will respond we'd have two-way conversations I even had some of the real housewives tweet back at me but with Eurovision it was just like I, I just feel like I can't permeate so then I threw my hat in the ring I joined like some Facebook groups saw something promoted about like oh you can join our site as a writer so I worked for a couple of Eurovision fan sites and it was great I loved it but, you know, being an American, I was always a little bit behind, you know, because news is hitting literally while I'm asleep. And I was like, I need to get more into this. I need to be immersed in this community. What is going on? How am I, like, not getting into it? And so I took a leap of faith in 2015 and started my YouTube channel. And I'd like to say the rest is history. But I think history is still writing itself, so... Yeah, but you're here. I hope you'll stick around. We're going to have amazing conversations. I am like that real talk Eurovision person. I don't mince words. And, you know, I'm not mean, but I'm honest. And I try to be constructive. I'm like, if I don't like a song, I, I don't want to say, oh, I just don't like this. You know, I mean, because that's not helpful. I'll go, you know, I like it more if, you know, in the bridge we just fleshed out the production more. You know, I'd like it more if that vocal really took us on a journey instead of just sort of staying in the safe zone. You know, I feel like this performer's holding back. We talk about the fashion. Yes, we're gonna talk about the clothes. We're gonna talk about the styling. Yeah, and we'll be talking about those vocals. We'll be talking about the songs. We'll be talking about, you know, the creative process behind. We'll be making predictions because like predictions are fun. And I've, I've been doing this long enough to have tons of people tell me like, oh, but you don't really know. Well, duh, I don't know. It's defeating the purpose. This is for fun. This is for fun. So this is literally like the first episode of my podcast. And um, I hope you'll want to dive in. Do you love music? Struggling to find new songs to add to your playlist? Well, then you need to follow the Eurovision Song Contest. Hi, I'm Alicia Michelle, and you are totally in the right place. You need to be a Eurovision Song Contest fan. Subscribe to this podcast 
find your favorite fan site, and then just start following the fun. Eurovision, the song contest, it's not just a movie. Thank you for hanging tight for that break. You know, you too could like advertise your business on this podcast. Yes, you could totally do that. I mean, you know, that ad was, you know, given to me by someone very close to me. <laughs> um, just kidding. Yeah. No, but seriously, I'm, I'm really excited to be doing this podcast because once upon a time, actually, I used to be an on-air radio host. I worked in music radio, believe it or not. I'm a Eurovision fan and I worked in music radio. Yeah, yeah, you know, sounds crazy. But no, um, it's great. And when I left working uh, for radio, I actually for a really long time decided like, oh, well, I have all this equipment and stuff. I'd love to help other people make podcasts because at the time, you know, I think a lot of people had these barriers to creating a podcast. They had things to say, stories to tell, but, you know, maybe didn't have the money to like book studio time, probably didn't know anyone who worked in radio. And so I actually told folks, I was like, I will produce your podcast for free. I will totally do it for free. Like you can use my time, you know, obviously give me, you know, notice and, and we'll schedule it, you know, and be very, you know, efficient about it. And you would be surprised how many people would have that first initial meeting and then just not follow through with it. So here I am. I'm now, because I'm putting this out there, I got to make a commitment to myself that we'll be doing this. I do have some podcasts that are scheduled coming up. And really, these will be uh, like sort of live conversations that I'm going to be uploading to podcast platforms, but they will be live. So then you'd be able to see me on my YouTube channel. And it's Alicia Michelle, A-L-E-S-I-A Michelle, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E on YouTube. If you just go on YouTube and search my name, you will find my channel. Something tells me you will find my channel. So yeah, I'm really excited uh, to be kicking off this Eurovision season. And look, we don't know where we're going to be next year. We know it's the UK, but we don't know the city. And honestly, I, I don't think I have a preference too much. I'm just curious to see who gets to host. It's always so exciting to get that news coming in because it's always the first bit of Eurovision news that we typically get. And it just opens the floodgates for all of the imagination and like dreaming and hypothesizing and predicting all of this stuff. And, you know, it really is something that feels like a unique situation but really, it's not unique. The fact that we have a country that didn't win hosting, it's happened before, y'all. Some people are acting as if this is like never, ever happened before, but, but it has. So it's not necessarily an unprecedented situation. We do have sort of a map of, of how the show could go. But I'm, I'm going to stand here because this is Eurovision for real. So you're here because you want me to be honest. And, and the beauty of that is we don't have to agree. You know, I just think what I think you can totally disagree with me. But that's the beauty. We don't have to agree. I think we live in this weird world now where not and I have to say this, not only do we have to agree, but like I don't necessarily have a desire for people to agree with me. I just have a desire to be heard. And, and you know, and that goes both ways. So here is my opinion. I feel like 
I am okay with getting somewhat of a dual cultural show. Obviously, Ukraine won last year. I'm kind of thinking Interval Axe, it's got to be Ukraine. You know, Interval Axe, I want some Ukrainian performers. I also think for the hosting, I'm saying dual, though. So although I'm saying, okay, our Interval Axe, Ukrainian artists, that's, that's sort of what I'm going out on a limb for. But then when it comes to the hosting, I think it should be a split job. Now, I've always been the type of person who sort of feels like, I don't think we really need more than three hosts. And if we're going to have three hosts, I think one of them needs to live in the green room. And that was something that was lacking from last year's Eurovision show. I think holistically, we didn't have a lot of that kind of green room chatter. And it's interesting because when you watch the show, there was a lot of bed, a lot of pad in between, like, okay, this person performed. And so then we had a lot of like sketches and like the host talking. And I'm like, with love hosts, y'all are amazing, but they weren't that funny. I'm sorry. Like, I'm just, I'm just going to say it's your vision for real, y'all. They weren't that funny. So to me, I'm like, okay, if you're not that funny, just interview some of the artists. I'm curious about them. I want to hear what they have to say about stuff, you know? So I, I hope if we have three hosts, I'm thinking maybe two Ukrainian hosts, maybe someone who is Ukrainian by birth, but perhaps not by current residence. And that person I'm hinting at would be the Mila Kunis. I would like Mila Kunis to get an, an ask, an invitation to possibly hope she might not be available. Okay, it's okay. She might not be available, but I would like Mila Kunis to get an invite. And I'm going to say it right here and now. I think Graham Norton has to be the UK host. Rylan, I would love to see um, in the green room or even they do this thing at Eurovision now where the press conferences kind of have this chat show feel. So I actually think I might like to see Ryland doing sort of the chat show press conference feel. I would tune into those. Like, Ryland's awesome. So I would tune into that. I wouldn't hate to see Ryland on the red carpet or the turquoise carpet at the opening ceremonies and sort of hosting that. But I also think if we look at the way that the BBC has sort of passed the torch, handed over the baton, you know, then maybe Ryland gets the opportunity to do the BBC commentary of the show, but I, I, I stand here to say, Graham Norton, if we have a UK representative in the host body, it's gonna have to be Graham Norton. For me, for me. There are some amazing other folks like from the UK. I, I, I know some people have thrown out a lot of names, but I'm just thinking precedent. I'm thinking also no, notoriety. And I'm thinking funny, okay? I wanna show, I wanna laugh, I wanna be entertained. And Graham Norton is going to do that for us. I, that's what I think. So Eurovision for real, we're talking about the hosting, and then one other host. So I'm thinking we have three hosts. I think we asked Mila Kunis, we have Graham Norton, and then honestly, I defer to whomever the Ukrainian delegation wants to pick, but I, I only have this one caveat. The person that they have occupy that role, I don't need them to have been a former Eurovision participant. But if it is going to be a former Eurovision participant, we all know who it needs to be. And that's Verka. Okay? That's, that's, that's the only correct 
answer in this. But, you know, honestly, it's all speculation and it's fun speculation. This is a fun thing to do. But I really am curious. But I am I'm sort of trying to wait until we get the city announcement. I just want to know who the host city is. And then from there, I will let my imagination go wild. But I, I do want to leave you with this. One, if you've made it this far, thank you for listening. I hope you subscribe. Tell people if you are a Eurovision fan, you love this song contest, this is going to be the podcast. This is not really how like the whole show is going to go. You know, We're going to have guests. I'm going to talk to other people. You'll hear voices and questions and me interacting with other Eurovision fans. And again, we're going to be keeping it real. Keeping it real, real, real. Um, but thank you for um, even just giving this a try and giving this a shot now. I'm excited to be getting into this podcasting venture for Eurovision 2023, for this season. I don't know if we're going to keep it up, but I'm going to try. I'm going to make the commitment to myself and to you. So please subscribe to this podcast. Connect with me on social media. And of course, you can find me all the time on YouTube and at my Eurovision website that I write at, EurovisionFam.com. That's EurovisionFam.com. Thank you and subscribe.